morning. Good morning. It's good to see you on this pretty July Sunday. My name's Kelly. If we haven't met yet, I hope to meet you and get to know you. I'm so excited about all the new people that God's bringing into our Calvary family. Every Sunday, we're meeting new people and even meeting people in the store who say, I just started coming to that church a couple weeks ago and just hearing what God's doing in people's lives. It's been amazing. I love that uh, Vinny said, we're not going through summer, we're growing through summer. And I, I feel that as a church, we're growing through summer and individually, we're growing through summer and pressing into all God has for us and what God's doing in our lives. It's a good time to be part of the church. Do you agree? Are you happy to be here today? Awesome. So something that's kind of important to me, I, in service, whenever a, a speaker is speaking and the word of God is going forth, I want to be tuned in because the truth is that we're where God's word is spoken, the presence of God is. And God wants to speak to every one of our hearts. And even though we're all in different places in our spiritual journey, God wants to speak to us individually. And so I make sure I'm always taking notes. I've always got my journal. So if you don't have a journal, we have one provided for you. Make sure you grab that in the Welcome Center. And you can journal throughout the week as you're reading the Bible and God's speaking to you. But every time you're in a service, would you be people who journal? Would you write down even if it's just a few points or a few scripture references, I think it's so important to write down what God's speaking to you in the moment because you're gonna come back and then you'll have that all week that you can refer back to. You can say, God, what'd you speak to my heart on Sunday? And allow the Holy Spirit to really seal that word in your heart. So be a note taker today. And also, I know some of you are more introverted, some of you are more extroverted. When, when the message is going forth, I have found it so true that I can participate so even if I'm in my seat, like you are right now, I can participate with what's happening by saying, amen, I receive that. Even if it's quiet, you know, sometimes some of us say it out more loudly. And what that is, that is not egging the preacher on. What that is, is that is in your own heart saying, I'm coming into agreement with that. And it's so powerful when you'll use your mouth and you'll open up your mouth and you'll say, yes, yes, okay, Lord, or I agree, or amen, which means like, so be it. It's important. And I think some of us, we can be shy and in rooms like this, maybe that's a little, you know, that would be a little out of your comfort zone. But I would just encourage you, if the Lord speaks something to your heart, even if it's in a whisper, just use your own mouth and say, amen. And you'll just kind of feel it. Just the word just kind of settling into your heart. It's powerful, all right? Amen? Amen. Amen. We're ready to go. So we've been in a series this last, this is the sixth week and the final week of our series called Reaching the One. And the one is someone who is lost, who does not yet have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The one who needs to be led home to the Father. And so we just believe that Jesus is coming very soon. Do you believe Jesus is coming very soon? Yeah, we do. We believe Jesus is coming soon. And because we believe that he's coming soon, we believe it's so important that we would live our lives on mission, that we would be telling everybody we know, everyone we come in contact with about the good news of a God who saves and redeems and heals and set free. It's like we have this amazing secret that we cannot keep to ourselves, all right? So that's the heart of reaching the one, is sharing the good news of Jesus with the people around us. And we wanna help equip you to know how to do that. There's a recent study done by the Barna Group, and the Barna Group does a lot of research and stats and statistics and studies, especially about church and, and Christianity. And uh, this study I found very interesting. Pastor Mike uh, Badalato actually shared this with me. And here it is, 95%, so almost all Christians, believe that our faith 
Uh, an important part of our faith is being a witness about Christ. So we're in agreement with that, right? About being a witness about Christ. 95% also believe that the best thing that could happen to someone is giving their hearts to Jesus. Do you believe that's true? You believe it's important to share your faith? You believe that the best thing that could happen in someone's life is giving their heart to Jesus? Yes. So 95% of Christ followers believe that. However, there's a gap here because it shows that many Christians are unsure about the actual practice of evangelism, which is reaching the one. It says that almost half of millennials, any other fellow millennials with me in the room? Yes, okay, almost half of millennials, yikes, this one, believe that it is wrong to share your faith in hopes that someone else will change the way they believe and believe like you. Half of millennials believe that that's wrong. It's a growing, growing number. We are in a post-Christian culture for sure. And three out of five of Christian millennials believe that today people are more likely to take offense than in the past. That kind of feels true, doesn't it? Feels like everyone's kind of offended about everything. You gotta be so careful what you say, what you do. So it's very understandable that there might be a little bit of timidity in your heart about sharing your faith and sharing what God has done for you. But listen, evangelism is an essential part of following Jesus. It's essential to our faith. We should not be shy about sharing our faith with people because when we share the gospel, we're not peddling our opinions. We're sharing the good news about a God who saves and sets people free and brings hope and peace and joy and healing and salvation, right? We're not like selling used vacuums door to door. We're sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. We got something to share. We got something to talk about. Our message is hope and love and salvation. And my favorite definition of evangelism was shared by D.T. Niles. And he says, evangelism is just one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. Isn't that beautiful? One beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. And I love that because in in that context, with that perspective, it's not shared in an attitude of superiority, or like, I know better than you, I'm better than you. No, it's not that. It's like, I once was lost, but Jesus found me. And Jesus wants to find you. He wants to bring you healing, and he wants to bring you salvation. So it's with a heart of wanting to help people, bringing the good news to people. And our mission comes from the Great Commission, which right before Jesus ascended to heaven, he left his followers with this instruction. He said in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus has commanded us to make disciples. Making disciples means showing people how to find Jesus, how to live like Jesus, how to be more like Jesus. And the great commission is not the great suggestion, right? This is not just an idea if you get bored or if you happen to be particularly extroverted. This is the great commission. This is the command that Jesus left all of us, that while we are here on earth, until he comes, we are to go and we are to make disciples. Would you turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter two, and this is where we're gonna read today's story from. I love this story in Mark chapter two. Mark is the second of the gospels, so if you kind of open your Bible in half, be a little bit to the right, Mark chapter two, beginning at verse one. 
When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. And soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. And while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. Let's pause there. So this is early on in Jesus' ministry. He's called his first of his disciples to come follow him, and he's been teaching and ministering and traveling, and everywhere he goes, people are being healed. He's casting out evil spirits, performing many miracles. It's incredible. And so Jesus comes back here. Can you get me a water, babe? Jesus comes back here to Capernaum, and Capernaum is kind of Jesus' base of operations in Galilee. So while he's in Galilee, they refer to this as his home, just because this is where he's uh, spending most of his time. Thank you, sugar. Thanks, babe. And so there's such a frenzy about his arrival. Word is traveling so fast about who Jesus is and about what he's doing, and that when he comes into a city, all these amazing things are happening. So it's crazy. It's a frenzy. And uh, people are being healed. They're being set free. And I just think about how fast this news traveled and how actually amazing it is, because this is before social media. This is before phones. You couldn't call people up. Word is literally spreading by mouth from town to town. People are coming from everywhere to hear this man, Jesus, and to hear what he has to say. And there's these five men in particular that I want us to focus on today. One who is paralyzed, four is not. And these four men who are not paralyzed, they have this friend who is paralyzed, he's laying on a mat, and they think, if I can just get this man to Jesus, if we can just get our friend to Jesus, to where Jesus is, he can be healed. His life can be changed, just like all the other people we're hearing about. And so they are determined to get this friend to Jesus. And I imagine that these four men, that they each took a corner of the mat where the man was laying, and they carry him from where he was laying at his home all the way, we don't know how far it was, but they carry him to this home where Jesus is now teaching the people. And so as they get there, they're probably so excited to get into Jesus, but as they get there, they run into trouble because they find that the house is so packed of people. There is no room. There's no room. There's no empty seats. There's no place for them to get in. People are literally standing all outside this house. It says there's no room even outside the house. So people are packed all around this house trying to get in. And I imagine that as Jesus is talking inside of the house, that people are kind of trying to relay the word back to the, to the people outside, trying to you know, kind of whisper, this is what he just said. This is what he said, trying to get the word out so many people can hear. But these four men with the mat cannot get their paralyzed friend to Jesus. And Luke's account of this story tells us that the house was so packed because it was packed with religious people. It was packed with Pharisees and teachers of the law and all of these religious people who had come to hear Jesus. And uh, actually, they'd probably come to scrutinize the words of Jesus. So these people are filling the house. They're not giving up their seat. And they see all these people outside. They can see that this man is broken and he's hurting. He's laying on this mat. And these friends are desperate to get him in to find Jesus. But they make no room for him. Nobody outside moves to make room. Nobody on the inside moves to make room. No one offers to give up their seat to say, come on in. No one does that. They refuse to make room or to create space for this man who was broken and needed to get to Jesus. And this convicts my heart because I think sometimes we can get really good at being busy with our own lives and we're doing our own good things and we're sitting in our own seats and kind of having our own agenda and we lose focus of the people around us, the people in our path every day who are broken and who are needing to get to Jesus. We lose focus of them. And I think we have to be careful that we don't get so comfortable just 
coming to church, which is good. Scripture says we should not forsake the gathering. But we can't get so busy just coming to church that we forget to be the church. And I don't want to ever run out of room for lost people. That breaks my heart. I don't ever want to run out of room for lost people. And we keep praying, Lord, would you expand our vision? Help us, Lord, to to see the people in our community who are broken and who are hurting and the people who are desperate. And this morning, just how many people, even as we drive in, I think how many people don't know Jesus? How many people are not in a Bible-believing church today? They're not hearing the good news about Jesus today. Lord, I pray that our heart would break for the lost people around us every day that we would be moved with compassion, that we would never run out of room in our lives for lost people. And can you imagine if the people in that house that day, or even the people standing outside, if they would have said, oh my goodness, look, this person needs to get to Jesus. And if they would say, let's make way, let's make me, let's scoot over. And someone would have said, you can have my seat, you can sit right here, sit right here in front of Jesus. Can you imagine how amazing that would have been? And those people could have been part of the miracle. They could have been front row seat to what God wanted to do in that man's life. What would it look like for us to make room in our lives so that the broken people in our lives can be led to Jesus? To notice them, to notice those who are lost and who are hurting and who need someone to lead them to Jesus. Back to verse four. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head and they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Right? This is hilarious, isn't it, Kathy? Yeah, so these four men were so passionate about getting this man to Jesus that they did not give up. They weren't content just to hang outside with the rest of the spectators and just kind of hope that maybe they would see Jesus walk by. No, they were not content to do that. They have been carrying this man, their friend, for we don't know how long. And I imagine that with every step closer to the house where Jesus was staying, that faith was growing in their hearts. And they were like, we are getting him to Jesus. Today, this guy's life is gonna be changed. He's gonna encounter God. He's gonna be healed. He's gonna be changed. This is gonna be amazing. I imagine that that's how they felt. And so they were not going to give up. They thought, we have not come this far to give up now. I am not leaving this place until this man has an encounter with Jesus, right? And that should be our hearts. Church, you have not come this far to give up. You have not come this far to leave without getting your breakthrough. You haven't prayed this long for your lost loved ones just to give up now because it looks like they're uninterested. Do not give up. God has put a promise on your heart. God wants to reach your friends. He wants to reach your family. Don't give up because right now it looks impossible. Keep serving. Keep praying. Keep trusting. So let's imagine this scene, okay? Is there, are there anyone else? I know Kathy because she started laughing. Anyone else who's visual? And when you hear a story, you kind of picture it in your mind. Okay, so this, this story just cracks me up because you imagine this guy, you know, he's been carried all through town and he's laying on this mat and they get to the house and there's no room. People are probably bumping up against him, you know, and, and the friends are like, we gotta get him in and no one will let him in. And he's probably just laying there like, what in the world? And the friends might be discouraged at this point. They might be like, you know, these rude people, you know, where they just move and get my friend to Jesus. And, but I imagine that there's one guy in the crowd because every friend group has one of these kind of, you know, little crazy people. And I imagine that there's one guy who's like, you know what we could do? I betcha we could climb up that staircase I saw in the back and we could carry him up the ladder and onto the roof. And then if we cut a hole in the roof, 
we could dig it out and we could like just lower him on a rope right in front of Jesus. I mean, the guy on this mat is probably like, what are you gonna do to me? You're gonna carry me up a ladder, you're putting me on the roof and now you're gonna drop me through a hole to find Jesus? And it's, but so they're, they're so determined. So I just, I love this. I think this is just amazing. And in those times, Bible, in the Bible times there, those houses were often made of stone. And on the back of the, the house, there would often be like a ladder so that you could get up to a flat roof. And so often they would be covered in tiles. And then on top of those tiles would be like a mixture of like tar and ash and sand and mortar. And it would be all covered the tiles. So these friends literally carry this man up the ladder onto the roof and they start digging. Like they have to dig, scripture says they had to dig it out. Like they had to dig out a hole in this roof and like the size of a man. It has to be big enough for his mat to go through. So they are just up on the roof, just digging. And there's probably debris like falling inside the house, right? The people are sitting there listening to Jesus like, what is going on? And the owner of the house is probably too like, oh my, call the insurance. Like it's, this is crazy. This is a crazy scene, right? And so they get this hole, this big hole built, and they get ropes on each side, and they literally lower this man right in front of Jesus. They are so determined to get him to Jesus. And I'm so touched by this act of love. What an act of love that these friends had for this man. They saw him as someone who should be valued. They saw him as someone who mattered and who deserved to be carried to Jesus. We need to value people. It will be impossible for us to lead people to Jesus if we don't know how to value people, if we don't truly and authentically love and care for people. And I wonder, do we see every person we come in contact with as someone that Christ died for? That's hard because there's some difficult people. <laughs> there's some really difficult people in life. But you know, we will never in our lives look into the eyes of a person that Jesus did not die for. People matter, they matter to God. And if we're gonna be God's people, they need to matter to us. And I think that when we start serving people, when we start carrying mats, when we start serving people, we will really start valuing them. If we see them as hurting, we'll help them. If we see them as valuable, we will serve them. And we get compassion for people when we serve people. See, the closer I get to you, the more I can love you. But the farther I distance myself from you, the easier it is for me to judge you. We have to get close up to people. We have to get willing to so close that we're willing to carry someone's mat to Jesus. We need to be people who love people, who value people. And notice in this story that Jesus is totally unbothered by this interruption, right? Like he's, he's the king of kings. And he's there with some pretty important stuff to say. And scripture doesn't tell us anywhere that he is bothered by this interruption. He seems totally unbothered. So now imagine this. The man is lowered right in front of Jesus where Jesus is speaking. And Jesus looks up, and there's probably this huge hole in the roof, right, with light pouring through, and he sees these four guys up there. And can you imagine? They're like, we did it. We got, we got him in there. Like, he's right there in front of Jesus. This is gonna be amazing. And they're so excited. They're probably like, watch, watch, watch. Watch what Jesus is gonna do. Like, they cannot contain their excitement. They have got him in front of Jesus. What is gonna happen next? And I love this. This is probably my favorite three words in this whole passage. 
starting at verse five. Seeing their faith. Did you catch that? Seeing whose faith? Seeing their faith. It doesn't say seeing the paralyzed man's faith. It says seeing their faith. Seeing the faith of the friends. They had such faith that it could be seen. They had such faith that it was visible in their actions. And I wonder, can our faith be seen? Do people look on our lives and think, wow, such faith. Does the way we live and the way we share Jesus show that we have real faith in an almighty God who can heal, who can set free, who can do miracles? Do our lives show that we have faith? And listen, we need to be people who have faith for more than just our need of bedtime prayers, for more than just our need of God, my aunt and my sister and my cousin needs this and I could use a new job. No, we need to be people who have faith for all of that plus all that God wants to do through our lives and in our world and with the hurting people on your street and with the people that you encountered at the gas station, we need to be people who have faith for other people's needs. And Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now this is not what these friends were expecting to hear. This is like not what they came for, right? They carried this man all the way through town, got him on a roof, took all the effort to get a hole in the roof and to drop him to Jesus to have his paralysis healed. And Jesus is talking about his sins. The man is still laying there paralyzed. But Jesus looks down at this man and he discerns in his spirit that this man is not only physically paralyzed, but he's spiritually paralyzed. And given the option to heal him externally or to heal him internally, Jesus takes first initiative to heal his heart, to heal him on the inside. Because as bad as it is to be paralyzed, it is infinitely worse to be bound in sin and destined for hell. So what good would it be for Jesus to heal this two man's legs just for him to walk into hell with those two legs, right? The greatest miracle we can ever experience is salvation. The greatest miracle we can ever experience is what Jesus does on the inside of us when he saves us and heals us and sets us free on the inside and forgives us of our sins. That is the greatest miracle you can ever have. And for those of you in this room and watching right now, and you've given your heart to Jesus and the Lord has forgiven you and he's wiped you clean, you are living in this moment in the greatest miracle you could ever experience. And I pray we never take that lightly and we never take that for granted. God has done so much in our lives. God has forgiven us. I know what it is to be a sinner saved by the grace and the love of God that he paid a debt I could never pay to forgive my sins. We celebrated last week two people whose lives have been radically changed in the last month. But God has done amazing things in their lives. And yesterday celebrated with five people, I see you Nellie, and baptism. And baptism, so seven people in the last week who have said, I once was lost, but now I'm found, and Jesus has changed me, he has made me new. What a miracle, like that is a miracle. And I hope that we will be people who are so grateful and so thankful and we never tire of hearing people give their hearts to Jesus, that at the end of every service, when there's opportunity for people to give their hearts to Jesus, that we as a church and as Christ followers are praying and interceding and praying, Lord, I just pray that someone will come to you today and that we rejoice when one sinner comes home to find Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, verse number six, 
But some teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. When those teachers of religious law, when those Pharisees heard what Jesus said, when they heard him say, your sins are forgiven, they were shocked. They were shocked and they were angry. And they said, this is blasphemy. And blasphemy is very serious. Blasphemy is claiming to be God or insulting God. And in Jewish law, it was punishable by death. So what they have just accused Jesus of is very serious. But this is what is so sad about this. These religious leaders use the right kind of logic. They were correct in believing that only God can forgive sins. They were also correct in examining this new teacher. But their error was in refusing to see who Jesus really was, the Son of God who has all authority. And Jesus was standing there right in front of them and they could not recognize or acknowledge him as God. And you know, sometimes I'm concerned that we get so used to the routine of church, we get so used to coming in and singing the songs and hearing the message, that sometimes in the midst of all of it, we forget to recognize who he really is. The Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Savior, our worthy, holy, awesome God is here in this place. Church, right now, God is here in this place. May we not be like these religious people who can't recognize Jesus when he comes in the room, but may our hearts be tuned to him. May our ears be tuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit. May our hearts be stirred when we come into his presence and we be captivated by his presence. Let's recognize who he is as Savior and as Lord. And verse eight says, Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Now this has to be embarrassing for these Pharisees because they never spoke a word, but Jesus heard their hearts. So Jesus asked them point blank, why do you raise these questions in your heart? And this should sober all of us because we know what we've been thinking. We remember this last week when that person cut us off in traffic and we got real irritated and we had some words and we acted ungodly all the while we had that worship music playing in the car, right? Or when we were on social media and we were scrolling and oh my, they did not say that. And you just blood starts to boil and you wanna retaliate and you wanna type something nasty back or when someone hurts you or offends you and you know how you start going and the thoughts that start coming into your mind and how it starts to get pretty ungodly and you haven't maybe said a word but you've thought a lot. And you remember that Jesus knows what you're thinking, right? We need to be careful. We need to be careful what we're thinking. So Jesus, knowing their thoughts, confronts them out loud and asks, why do you question this in your heart? Verse nine, Jesus asks them, is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. See, Jesus knows their doubt, he knows they're not believing, and to demonstrate both his authority over sin and his ability to heal, Jesus turns to the paralyzed man, and in verse 11 he says, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Now this is amazing, right? This man has not walked. He's been carried here on a mat, on a stretcher, and Jesus is telling him, stand up and start walking? 
Listen, sometimes God's going to call you to do things that you've never done before, and it might be outside your comfort zone, and it might seem crazy, something that you would never do. But when he speaks, be ready to listen and obey. Amen? Verse 12, and the man jumped up, he grabbed his mat, and he walked out, the, he walked out through the stunning onlook, stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we have never seen anything like this before. So these people who were probably just skeptical a few minutes ago, now they're like, wow, look what the Lord has done. Wouldn't you have loved to be in that room? How amazing. What a scene. This man, his miracle demonstrated to everyone that Jesus was who he says he was, that he has all authority to forgive sin, to heal bodies, to do miracles, to forgive souls, and all Jesus needed was a word from his mouth. Just one word out of his mouth, and that man was healed. And I love this story because sometimes it takes our faith and our testimony for someone else's faith to become a reality. God used those four friends to bring this man to Jesus, to carry him to Jesus. And there's three questions that I want us to ask ourselves today as we get ready to close. Number one, am I making room for people? Am I making room for people? Am I making room in my life for people who are lost and broken and need someone to care for them? Am I making room in my conversation to talk about Jesus? What does my conversation look like? Am I making room to share the love of Jesus with people who are broken and need to know about Jesus? Am I inviting people? Am I saying, come to church with me? Come to my life group. Come hang out with some of my friends from church. Am I making room for people? Number two, Whose mat am I carrying? Whose mat am I carrying? Who in my life am I bringing to Jesus? What are you willing to do to see the people in your life come to know the Lord? Let's pray for passion to do some mat ministry, to be people who are willing to serve one another, be people who are willing to serve the people in your life who are hurting and who are broken, and they need someone to get them to Jesus. They don't know about the Lord. They don't know about what God can do for them. And I believe that God is calling us to be people who will be willing to pick up a mat and carry people to Jesus. You know, as I think about this man, you know, he had been paralyzed for a long time. And these four friends probably had to do a lot for him. I'm sure there was not much that he could do for himself. And sometimes there'll be people in our lives who require some extra grace, <laughs> EGR, right? And there's a little extra grace required. There's a little bit of inconvenience in being their friend. It's a lot of hard work. Sometimes there's people that God puts in our lives and you know, honestly, they're inconvenient. They're inconvenient to what we wanna do and maybe they slow us down or just require so much from us. You know, those four men could have run and probably gotten a better seat in the house had they left the man home. But they were willing to serve him because they saw value in him, because they cared and they had compassion. And that is how we will reach people. So whose mat are you carrying? What are you willing to do to help bring the people in your life to Jesus? And number three, 
do I have faith to believe for the people in my life to encounter Jesus? How's your faith? How's your faith? Do you have faith to believe for people around you? Do you have faith to believe that those people in your life that seem totally uninterested in the Lord and that are maybe very hard to love, do you have faith to believe what God can do in them? Let's let God build faith in our hearts. Have faith to believe that he is God who can do the impossible. There is not one thing our God cannot do. There is not one person he cannot reach. Let's be people of faith. Let's trust God and believe God. I know there are people in this room and part of our church and you're praying for lost sons and daughters who are addicted to drugs and who are addicted to alcohol and who have turned their backs on you and people who have caused you a lot of pain. Do you still have faith to believe for those people to find Jesus? Do you still have faith to believe for your neighbor who has frustrated you and been mean to you? Do you have faith to believe that God can use you to show the love of God to reach that person? Let's be people of faith. These men were so determined to get their friend to Jesus that they did things that seemed foolish just to get him to Jesus. What would you do to introduce the people in your life to Jesus? Remember, we get compassion for lost people when we spend time with lost people. The closer we get to people, the more we will love them. The more we distance ourselves, the more we will judge them. So let's be people who start serving one another and valuing the people that God has put in our lives. If we see them as hurting, we'll help them. If we see them as valuable, we will serve them. These men saw him, they served him, and Jesus saved him. Jesus saved him. Church, can we rip the roof off? Can we make space in our hearts and in our lives for people to encounter Jesus, for people to find freedom, for them to experience the love and the grace of God that will totally change their lives? I'm so thankful for people in my life who pointed me to Jesus. Are you? I remember as a very lost and broken teenager, I was a pastor's kid, but I was hurting and I was broken and I was living my life in so much sin. And a lot of people in the church, if I'm being honest, kind of talked about me and gossiped about my story. But there was a lady named Lori. There's a lady named Lori who carried my mat. And Lori said, I value you and I love you and I'm gonna pursue you and I'm gonna keep pointing you to Jesus because he loves you. And through Lori's love and through the way that she cared for me and as a teenager took me out to eat over and over just to sit down and to share Jesus with me. She pointed me to Jesus. She showed me love. And I believe that because of that, my life is now, it's changed forever. Now I'm, I'm in love with Jesus. 20 plus years later, I'm living for the Lord and I have a family who's in love with Jesus. And I'm so grateful that Lori carried my mat, that she carried me to Jesus. Church, let's be like Lori. Let's be people like these four men who carry people's mats to Jesus, who see difficult people and who see people who are hurting and people who are broken. And we're willing to do whatever it takes to get them to Jesus. Is that what you want? Is that the heart that you want? I pray it is. I pray that we're a church that's so passionate about reaching lost people. 
that we're not too busy doing our own thing, that we're not too busy having the best seat in the house because we're focused on bringing in those who are lost and who need to find Jesus. All over this room, can you bow your heads and close your eyes? I wanna give opportunity right now for those in this room. I believe there's some in this room right now, just like first service, some people in this room right now, and maybe you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe like the paralyzed man, you have some brokenness on the inside of your heart. And I just wanna encourage you today that God loves you so much, that God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to pay the price for our sin, so that we could be saved, so we could have new life, so we could have eternal life with Jesus. And right now I believe that this is a moment of salvation. And if you're in this room, you just would say, that's me. I wanna just give my heart to Jesus. I'm not gonna make you stand up or embarrass you, but I just wonder if you would raise your hand and just make eye contact with me. And I wanna pray for you. Would you raise your hand if that's you? Yeah, yeah. Any more? Just say, I wanna give my heart to Jesus. Awesome, awesome. I see you. All right, I'm gonna pray a prayer. And for those of you who raised your hand, and maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you would say, that's me. Would you just in your own heart be in agreement with this prayer? And Jesus is gonna come into your heart right now. You're gonna begin a personal relationship with Jesus. The old you is gonna be gone. You're gonna be brand new, made clean, have a new life in Christ and be started on your faith journey. So let's pray together. Lord, I love you. And I thank you for your presence. I thank you that you're here right now. And Lord, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, that I have sinned and I've been separated from you. But Lord, I want a relationship with you. I believe that you are Christ. You are the Son of God. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, I want relationship with you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I confess my sins to you, Lord. I thank you for dying on the cross and rising again so I could have new life. And Lord, today I choose to live for you. Thank you, Lord, that the old me is gone. And Lord, you have created a new person in me today. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Church, can you just celebrate? It's so awesome. New life in Christ. If that was you who's watching, I know we have a lot of people watching at the beach and at home and at the cabin and the hospital today. And so if that's you and you made a commitment to say yes to Jesus, fill out our online connection card because we want to pray for you. And in the room, if that's you, we're going to get you before the end of the service. We're going to get a blue bag in your hand. And in that bag is a Bible and there's some next steps and it's going to help you on your journey of faith. And so we are celebrating that. That's incredible. And how about we all stand up as we get ready to close. I just want to pray real quick for those of you in this room and you would say I want a passion to bring people to Jesus maybe you've been timid maybe you haven't yet had the boldness to to reach out to somebody and share the good news of Jesus we heard last week an incredible story about how the Holy Spirit gives you boldness listen God wants to use every one of you if you've given your heart to Jesus you are to live on commission with the Great Commission to share the good news of Jesus to share your story I once was lost but now I'm found. Jesus forgave me. Jesus set me free. If you want to be on fire for Jesus and if you want to be passionate about winning people for Jesus and carrying mats and doing mat ministry and pointing
pointing people to Jesus, would you just raise your hands? And we're going to sing one more song. We're going to pray that the Lord would just give us boldness, that the Lord would make us sensitive to his spirit, that we would be a church and a people who are on mission to reach our neighbors.